Welcome to the Dare to Move podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Wood, and I inspire you to take action with stillness, let go of chaos, and step into your future self on this podcast. We have special, high-performing guests each week who share mindset tips and their spirituality, helping us all prepare to be the best we can be for our future. Let's dare to move. Before we get into this juicy episode, I would love to extend an invitation to you. Starting January 1st, I'm launching a 16-week group program that is guided by an online course. The course is called Dare to Eat 2.0 Life Coaching for Food. It's a culmination of six years of coaching over 1,000 people to help transform their body, their mind, and their spirit. But now I'm most focused on helping people heal their relationship with food and connect to their bodies. I hope you will join this supportive group in order to learn how to disarm your inner critic, to heal your relationship with food, and to work your way from self-acknowledgement to self-acceptance to self-love because it is not lost on me how freaking hard it is to just love yourself. And by the way, part of being human is eating every single day. And I know the depths and the darkness that is involved day to day when you don't feel like you can feed yourself without guilt, stress, or bloat. So I'm here to help you reclaim your sexy, discover the fact that you are sovereign, and get on a forever path to eating and being in a relationship with your body for the rest of your life. This group is going to focus on disarming your inner critic uncovering limiting beliefs. We're going to do some mind-body counseling, my favorite, rewriting of your food story, diagnosing your body image blind spots, and we're going to teach you how to actually do future vision work. So if you're a loyal podcast listener, we've been covering stillness work all year, and this is the perfect time to jump in to a group that's actually going to hold you accountable to the work because I know you're nodding your head in some of these episodes saying, yes, I need to do this. I get it. I see the value here, but sometimes it's hard to stay accountable to the work when you're not in a group. So it's 16 weeks. The group will meet every other week and there's going to be about eight juicy weeks of content and we'll just spread one week over the course of two. So you have time to digest all of it, watch the videos, ask questions, and then show up to the group with all of your learnings and revelations. So because you're a loyal podcast listener, I am extending you a discount of 15%. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes and you can enroll there. I am so looking forward to working with you. All right, now back to the show. Welcome back, friends. I am overjoyed today to have a new friend on the podcast and of course they feel like an old friend because it's a connection through Sam Morgan but I get the honor of introducing you to Marley Schneider who is a transmasculine non-binary actor, drummer, dancer, creative, dog dad and so much more and They're really here today to share their recent journey of going through top surgery and what it's been like for them 
and their journey through life. And what's really cool for me is the connections to the human body and what we experience when we're out of alignment. Um, On this podcast, I've shared many times my various struggles through gut health and anxiety for the first time in my life when my gut was completely out of whack. And yes, in the moment, I had some amazing practitioners and healers who helped me um, with the right supplement protocols and nutrition regimens to get through that, the bloating and all of that. But Marley and I both kind of connected on this notion that regardless of the tools you have, it's very hard to get rid of the stress and the bloating and the constipation or whatever ailments you're facing when you're still out of alignment and stressed. And so this episode is truly for anyone right now struggling to own, acknowledge, or love parts of themselves that have yet to be acknowledged and loved and accepted. And understanding who we are is really, truly a life journey. Marley paints such a beautiful picture of the different ways in which they've embodied masculine and feminine, not wanted to embody those energies at certain times in their life, and how through creativity, they found a way to express their themselves <laughs> in the most authentic way. And so the backstory, as you guys know, I always share how I got to know this amazing guest. And because of Sam uh, connecting me to the book, The Artist's Way, uh, he actually had a really powerful experience with The Artist's Way being hosted in a group format. Because if you're not familiar with the the book, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, Um, you may not know this, but it is, uh, the spiritual path to creativity or something along those lines, (laughs) spirituality, the path, the spiritual path to create higher creativity. I think, uh, it's kind of like a guide. So it's, it's beautifully written, but each week is sort of like each chapter is a week. So you just do, you know, week you read chapter one for week one. And it is hard to stay accountable to because the work is heavy, it's mucky, it's like stuff you don't really want to think about yourself, your inner critic, um, a lot of the stuff we've been navigating in our stillness season this year. But nevertheless, Sam had a really powerful experience of having a group. So he said to the universe, you know, I want to give back and I'm going to create my own group. So he invited me. He actually gifted me the book, which I am ever grateful for. And then I got to meet some incredible people from through Sam and Marley was one of them. And so today we're going to talk about all the things I've already mentioned and also, you know, various labels that we use in society and this idea of having to have a label and the pressure sometimes to be able to communicate who we are. And side note, I don't really think I shared this on the episode, but it did come up for me afterwards because the subject of dating came up in our artist way circle recently. And I had shared with Sam, um, because we connect on dating all the time, that during my single phase, as frustrating as it was to be, you know, getting all pumped up just to be let down and but wanting to believe in the fairy tale, but being ghosted or being stood up or, you know, the guy that walked out during the middle of the date, all those, you know, kind of trying times. I said, you know, the one thing that I really miss about dating 
And, you know, you single people listening are probably like, ugh, the grass is always greener, Garrett. There's nothing to miss here. But the cool thing that I will always forever say is awesome about dating is that you are forced to show up and answer the question, whether it's asked in a direct way or not, of who are you? So sometimes I would show up and just say, I'm an author. And I also do real estate on the side. And I coach nutrition and wellness. And I teach at Barry's Boot Camp. Or... I would say I'm a coach and I also dabble in real estate or I'm a real estate developer. Like it was really a a cool time for me to show up and see what landed in my body. How did it feel to introduce myself as an author? How did it feel to introduce myself as a trainer? What title resonated with me? And I think, you know, the moral of the story for a lot of us is, you know, no title will ever really do us justice. But what's so cool about what we kind of jump right into in the beginning of this episode with Marley is that they found their own title. (laughs) It was trans masculine non-binary and they felt more home in that title than anything else. And so I so appreciate their vulnerability and their authenticity of sharing their journey, what they've been through, and how how they've come to the place they're at because I know so many people need to hear this message. So I'm very excited for you guys to get to meet and get to know Marley Schneider. And I have one quick announcement before we dive in. So today is December 23rd. And I am closing the enrollment on the Dare to Eat 2.0 group in two days. If you are a new listener, listen up because this program might be for you. I think it is actually pretty aligned with some of the subjects Marley and I talk about in this interview, which is connecting to our body and healing our relationship with food. Uncovering what stories we carry about our body, uncovering what stories we carry about food, and having a place to show up in group and discuss it. So the way it works is you can enroll with the link in my bio, or not in my bio, enroll in the link in the show notes for 15% off the program as a Dare to Move podcast listener, and you will get access on January 1st to eight chapters of content or eight weeks of content, but it's going to be a 16-week group because I am fully aware that this program is heavy and there's a lot in it. It's it's similar to The Artist's Way, but I'm here to sort of focus in on not creativity, but healing our connection to our body, to become sovereign, to feel sexy, to get rid of our bloating, to understand who we are, and to let go of the stress around the one thing that literally keeps us alive, which is eating. (laughs) So if you are interested in joining the online group guided course, I am here for you. I hope you're here for it. You get 15% off in the show notes. And again, there's two days to enroll. If you're hearing this on the 25th, 26th, anytime in 2020, please do reach out and I will make an exception for you. Um, even if it's January 1st, I'll extend it to that because someone may be listening to this on January 1. You can you can read a very long scrolling website about this program in the show notes. So please do check that out if it feels like it would be aligned for you. I would love to have you in the group of people that are really motivated to work on this stuff. So that's my little pitch for you. I'm excited to welcome you into it and I'm very excited to announce my new friend, Marley Schneider. 
All right, Marley, so good to have you. I'm about to read the quote that you shared, which is from a yoga teacher you have named Aaron Saunders. Sanders? Saunders? Sanders, yeah. Sanders, okay. Uh, and it is living life your way, expressing yourself through you is a profound act of rebellion. And I'd just love to know why that quote sits with you and what's up for you around that quote. Yeah, totally. Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, I I just feel like this year has been like an incredible part of my journey, really, like since beginning of quarantine. And I think that like this quote not only resonates for me, but can resonate for a lot of people in whatever journey that they're facing, you know, like it's incredibly hard to be yourself and put yourself out there in whatever you're doing. And so in a way, it kind of is like an act of rebellion because you're always afraid of what people may think. And, you know, but you honestly, at the end of the day, have to choose to do what's right for yourself. And I just, Erin's a friend of mine. And she said that in one of our yoga sessions through Zoom, we've been doing all Zoom classes with quarantine. Um, and it just really resonated with me where I texted her immediately. I'm like, I need that quote because it's so personal to me and like what I'm going through. And she didn't even know what I was going through at the time, but I was just like, I need this to hold on to because it just really was something good to like meditate on and just stick with me through um, the, yeah, the journey that I've been on recently, which is top surgery and I'm eight weeks post-op. So yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> How are you feeling post-op? I'm feeling great. I've had like an incredible, I've been really lucky. I've had an incredible like medical team, you know, through it and uh, holistic health practitioners that have really helped me kind of like get back to, to where I need to be and like my ultimate health. And I'm big into like natural holistic healing. So whatever herbs or things I can be taking teas for the swelling, acupuncture, um, I've been working with a massage therapist and she's been doing a lot of tissue work. So I feel like I'm at a better not a better stage than most people, but I feel like I've been really lucky to have those things to kind of propel my healing, like, you know, at a higher rate. I appreciate you sharing that because um, today we're going to talk a lot about stillness, but one of the themes that's sort of cropping up in a lot of the interviews I'm doing that foreshadows the theme I'm going to carry through 2021 is team. And I believe in team, especially when it comes to healing and health. So I want to dig into more of that later on. Um, but before we go there, one of the things um, you are sharing in your kind of interpretation of this quote is just about how it's hard to figure out sometimes like, or how it's hard to be who we are. And the way that that hit me when you said that was something we've also been talking about on this podcast, which is this idea of who we should be based on society, based on norms, based on um, our neighborhood, you know, our parents, all of these things. So I think you'll be able to shed a lot of light and, and give a lot of courage to people who are really um, dealing with that question of like, who am I? And feeling like it's more of a, who should I be? Um, and so I guess to sort of segue into that, I'm going to ask you the question that I ask everyone this season before we get into your work and what you do in the world, which is who are you? Who is Marley? Um, Marley is a transmasculine non-person, which is a new identification for me that I came out with um, or came out as last spring. Um, I'm a 28 year old person who lives in LA. I live with my partner, Victoria and our two dogs, Miles and Samson. Um, yeah, I'm just like 
a fun loving you know most of my friends call me like a go to retriever like I'm always down for anything very supportive um because I just truly believe like what you put out is you know what you receive and surrounded by a great group of friends and a great support system especially through this process that I've had um yeah so that's pretty much me and I I work in art department uh, in film and television and have recently just gotten into acting and print work so that's where I'm at that's super cool. And can you, our video, of course, just did like a, a millisecond pause right when you you said the title that you came up with. Could you say it one more time? Yeah, I'm a transmasculine non-binary person. I lives in LA with my partner, Victoria, and our dog, Smiles and Samson. So you said transmasculine non-binary. That was yeah. okay. her best. So yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, and so you said you, that's sort of the term you've been using and I just haven't heard it. So I would love for you to maybe just for the listeners who also haven't thought of that as an identity, like what, what it means to you. Yeah. So it, it's also a new term that I started working with because like, I've always just been like, you know, even like resonating with like the term lesbian, like I never, you know, really resonated with, with that when I came out when I was 20, I've always been like against labels because I'm like, I'm just Marley. Why does anyone need to know like how, you know, I'm not like, oh, I'm Marley. I'm non-binary, you know, like that's not how I introduce myself. Um, But for me, it became functional. Like when I started like using tools to recognize who I am and talk about who I am and where I've become more confident and comfortable using it. And what transmasculine means is I'm more on the side of uh, mask, you, you know, masculinity rather than feminine. I was born female, but non-binary meaning, um, that I don't really identify with female or male. I'm kind of, you know, just in between some people may use a gender if they don't really, uh, identify with the gender at all. Um, gender non-conforming, gender queer, those are all terms that, you know, are similar to non-binary, um, that you're just kind of on the spectrum, but most days, yeah, I feel more masculine. So that's why I kind of started using that term. Yeah, I think that's really helpful for people because one of the things that came up for me with just like the term transgender is like, if it's just talking about a switch from one polar polarity to the other, that it seems so confining, right? Because it's implying you're just either this or you're that. But I, you know, one of the, the, the other topics that's come up and we'll get into it more today with stillness is understanding the various masculine and feminine energies. I had a guy um, or a male identifying um, person on who spoke about his journey into creativity and how some of his blocks came from the fear of uh, expressing in a feminine way that wasn't accepted. So we've been talking about these energies um, this season. And so it's, I think it's really helpful to hear your perspective on it and how you've been able to use these different words to identify because while we don't want to use labels, I don't love <laughs> labels myself. It's also like hard sometimes to like answer the question, who am I? And to be honest, that's why I started asking it this season because I realized I needed to figure out how to answer it for myself as well. So it was a reminder for me to when I'm, you know, asking this question every week, but also um, a way for me to learn from others. How are they navigating this question? So um, I I just, I want to say thank you for sharing that. And the other question that I had, a word that comes up with some of the terms you use, like non-binary or queer is, um, I often hear the word fluid. 
And why would, yeah. I would love to know your perspective on that word. Yeah, so fluid to me, like under the umbrella term queer, like queer and fluid can mean like on the sexuality spectrum, whether you're into yeah. both men and women or non-binary people, you know, there's like, I think it's just so different from saying gay or straight, you know, especially on the sexuality spectrum, because uh, there's so many people in between and might not know that because they think, you know, either their environment, how they were raised, they need to, you know, have lived this picture perfect life, which in our society is a hetero life, you know, um, and same with gender, like to me, why it was so, I kind of found a sense of freedom, which is why I really started using these terms mm. because I always felt this part of me on my body did not exist, but I didn't identify as male. And I was always so afraid of this. I was like, well, I don't want to transition and become a man, but I don't feel totally feminine. So learning these terms that were in between were like just so helpful and eye-opening and kind of just like that aha moment that like there are terms available. I mean, I don't necessarily need the terms, but it makes it easier. They're functional, like I said, for other people to understand, cisgender people, family members who may only see you in one way, friends that you've known your whole life and may only, you know, put you in this box as a feminine person. Um, yeah, so the the fluidness of it is just is just that, you know, it's um, there's like opposite ends of the spectrum and then there's all of the layers in between. Mm, that's perfect. And I think really helpful for everyone listening that might have the same question. I think what comes up for me as I'm pregnant and I'm thinking about how I talk to my kids in the future, because a major part of stillness work for me has been looking at reparenting. I talk about reparenting with my clients all the time. And, you know, what is it going to be like when we raise kids? What, like, what, and I hope, you know, I'm excited. I'm like, the conversation is going to be, you know, what do they like? Not does she do ballet? You know, right. it's, it's very much about the person and the soul and their mission and their gifts. And I am really grateful more than ever that I have a partner who can have conversation. Like that was our dinner conversation last night about what we want, how we want to teach this to our future kid. Um, but at the same time, it's not a conversation, unfortunately, we had when we first started dating. So I think these conversations are important to be having for all of us. And I guess um, my next question for you is, um, so you're in LA and I, wanted, I would love to know like what brought you out there and how long you've been out there? Yeah, so, well, can I just touch on what you just talked yeah. about? Though? Yeah, um, before I get into that, I, I love that you're having that conversation with your husband because I, I've said that recently, like, you know, they, them pronouns is just gonna be how we, I feel like in the future 50 years, like our grandkids aren't gonna know like, you know, like they, them is just going to be so normal. You're just always going to assume someone is a they, them before you are told otherwise. It's kind of like this joke my, my girlfriend and I have, like assume everyone's gay until proven otherwise. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just like love that you're having those conversations because I personally feel, and I'm sure other people have felt this way, like stunted in their childhood when they wanted to pursue certain things. But like, for instance, their son wanting to take a dance class and their parents are just like, no, you can't do that because it doesn't fit our societal norms, you know, but like they could maybe really find themselves through dance. And then if, if that's not available to them, you know, it's just like, it affects how they are molded as an adult. So I just really love that, you know, you're having those conversations and, and um, starting with that. Cause yeah, I hope in a world eventually we, we won't even see like gender, you know, like it, that might sound silly to some people, but I think it's so important that 
we just have an open mind, you know? Yeah. And being able to communicate it from a place that is like without shame. Like one of the words I wrote down when I was like kind of prepping for our chat was freedom because I think like you embody that. Like I've known you for a month or so now just via Sam, who is a you know, a, a star guest on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> He's been many, been on here many times. Um, but in, in the way you show up on Instagram, for instance, it is from a place I, at least I interpret it of freedom and of um, just being who you are and embodying the, like the love and the joy and just all that you are versus the shame that other people may carry when they're trying to show up on a platform where other people are making sense of them. Uh, So I think um, I I would love to know a little bit about going back to the question about LA sort of as a step back to why you went to LA and then we can step back even more because I do have for my clients and myself reparenting questions as well. So what brought you to LA? So I, um, growing up, I always wanted to be a movie director. (laughs) I grew up in a very small town called Titusville, Pennsylvania. It's near Erie. Um, I went to college in Pittsburgh, Point Park University for um, film and directing. And then right out of college, I just started working on a bunch of commercials locally in Pittsburgh. Um, And then I worked with a production company that was shooting in Pittsburgh, but from LA. I was their assistant, uh, assistant to like their EP, their executive producer. And I worked with them for like two weeks. And then they were like, hey, you want to come out to LA and work with us full time? And I was like, I had just graduated college. I was like 22. And I I knew I didn't want to stay in Pittsburgh forever, but I was just trying to like get my feet wet and like the workforce and the industry. And eventually I thought I'd move to New York city because my aunt's there and I grew up visiting and she's like one of my favorite people in the entire world. Um, So, and I, and I wanted to do documentaries at the time. That's kind of what I, my focus was my senior year of college. So I was like, I'm just going to move to New York and like make docs. And then this company asked me to move out to LA and they're like, can you pack up your stuff in a week? And I was like, why the hell not? Like nothing's holding me here. Um, so I, yeah, I moved out and it was kind of like a welcome to Hollywood moment because within two weeks they let me go after I like planted roots and yeah, it was a really, it was a really horrible situation. No bad blood. I've like processed it, grown, you know, everything, but it was like a total, like welcome to Hollywood. And, uh, yeah, I like, signed the lease I was like trying to get out of the lease and then I was like you know what f it like I'm just gonna figure it out I have enough contacts just from school like people who have graduated years ahead of me and moved out here and other art department contacts because that's what I started at college I started working in art department just because those were the people that I met and yeah it worked out I just started hustling and you know like you do when you move to LA or any big city um and yeah, I was living in like a, a small bachelor, which is like, you know, I was doing my, my dishes in my bathtub and I had a hot plate and I was paying like 900 in, in a month in rent. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was a great experience. It was a great learning experience for sure. But moving past that, I started working in art department out here. Um, then I eventually joined the union local 44 for property people. And yeah, since then I, so I work on set and which means like I'm moving the furniture around, making sure everything looks good in frame. Um, and I also shop, which means you're just like assisting the decorator and, and shopping for them and pulling pieces together for what lives in the set. And yeah, so I just started doing that. 
I recently stepped back to try to do more acting and print stuff because that's always been something that, so I totally went away from like the documentary filmmaking, which I originally wanted to do. But like the thing with me is I want to do everything. So I just like to tell stories about real people, probably the similar reasons why you enjoy doing this podcast. Um, but being in front of the camera is something I kind of always ignored. And I've just had friends be like, you know, you should try print, you should do this. And I'm like, why the hell not? Like, so I just stepped back, started taking some acting classes right before the pandemic hit. And that's what I'm still hustling and trying to do now. And my girlfriend's been amazing. Like, I'm like, hey, I think I'm going to like quit work for a while and like see what I can do with this. And she's just been like fully supportive. Like she is in everything that I do and has been like really amazing through that. I really think it's important to have a partner like that. I'm more of the, I joke, I'm like the, the stale and my partner's like the rock because I take the risks and, and all of that. And when you were speaking about um, the portfolio lifestyle, I think one of the hurdles with that for, and I know the listeners have written in and talked about this, is just the uncertainty at play. So I think I even have a, an, an episode from the beginning of this show where I talk about the hustler life, you know, like this yeah. job, that job, go, go, go. And um, it is a very much a part of big cities, partly because the cost of living so high that yeah. it's nearly impossible to make ends meet. But I think um, it's really cool to hear that you were just able to trust yourself and be like, okay, like this is crazy, but I got this. And um, what's really interesting to me is I didn't know as much about what you did in, as far as this, uh, what you just described with being involved with the decorator and moving furniture and being a part of like the, what is in the frame because yeah. the way I see on social media, especially if I stalk your Instagram is like, you're drumming, you're acting, you're dancing. You've got all these um, ways about you that you express creatively. And if we circle that back to the question of like, who am I or like, what am I? It's interesting because I, like for to me, I'm wondering if creativity has been a way for you to find yourself. I 100% agree with that because like I was telling you before, um, you know, like working in arts department, it's great. It's somewhere I never aspired to be, but I've learned so much and I've grown such an appreciation for furniture and design, just working under amazing production designers who have now become friends. Um, but, you know, I was working like 12 to 15 hour days and just feeling stagnant. Like some days I just felt like a professional furniture mover because I had no desire to move up and become an art director or production designer. You know, I, I have such a love and appreciation for what they do, but th that was never in my bones or soul to do that. So um, moving away from that, when I just was like, I need to take time off and just like reroute. And like, I, that's what I, I started taking drum lessons. I started taking acting classes. You know, it's kind of like the book that we met, The Artist's Way and like everything that it kind of tells you to do. Like, I just kind of started doing that because I'm like, I just need to figure out all these things that I've wanted to do since a little kid that I just like wasn't able to do because my mom was always like, do sports or do this, or just the resources that I had around me growing up in a small town were very slim. You know, I did take dance classes at a local studio, but that was about it. And it was just sports from, from then on. Um, but yeah, so I just took time to do that. And I, I truly believe that those things did help me come to terms with like, what I needed to do, you know, feeling like this part of my body was not, I was not connected to and did not belong on me. And um, that's an interesting, I really love that you kind of came up with that because I've never thought about it like that. And I, that makes total sense. 
It's sort of like, to me, one of the things that I had shame around, whether that was how my big thing was like eating disorder, like how thin I was or how pretty I was, was really being in my body. So like the word embodiment for me was like, what? Because I was always in my mind. So I did cheerleading, which is very like, you know, the robotic movements. But if you, if I had been challenged to take like a modern dance class or something that involved moving and really being in my body, I think I would have struggled hardcore until maybe the last two years, just because I was so not wanting to be like in my body because I carried shame in like my gut and I had gut health issues that stem from that. So when I saw just like the way you were showing up, I was like, wow, I, I really feel like maybe you, I mean, and this is the thing, it's like, it's fortunate, unfortunate in our society right now that we need to like label who we are. So people get it <laughs> because it's like, all they need to see is you dance or drum and like, get, get it. Um, yeah. It's almost like those things sort of preceded the, um, the desire for you to go through the surgery uh, or express, like understand, like connect to yourself enough yeah. to, um, to, to make that change. Yeah. Well, it's so funny that you mentioned that you had gut issues too. I mean, not funny because I know how much that sucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also had gut issues and, and I, I did all of them like Western medical tests, like colonoscopy, you know, like, um, see, or am I MRI scan, like everything, nothing was showing up. And I just, I'm like, this is solely psychosomatic and stress related. And I need to figure out at my core why I can't poop. You know, like I, I need to like, know, like all these tests are like, oh, your colon looks fine. There's no blockages. And I'm like, no, there are physical blockages. Like I feel them. And it's like, as soon as I started working with my therapist and moving through this and I was like, I think I want to have top surgery. Like, can you write me a letter? And she, she started helping me diagnose all of these problems at the core. Um, like literally flowing and I could like poop again, you know, and like, just like my constipation started to let up. And I mean, I still, it's not perfect. Cause obviously like you're still dealing with emotions and you know, we, we will forever until the end of, until the day we die. But like, um, it's, it's really cleared up now that I've been able to pinpoint, you know, what's at the core and same with like working, you know, 12 hour days doing art department. Like I just wasn't happy. And once I started drumming and taking an acting classes and exploring that creativity, it also started to let up. Yeah. It's so important. I'm so glad that we arrived right here because I coach um, several people in the space of like health coaching, functional dietitian stuff. I personally worked with one during my gut health journey of like, why can't I poop either? And um, why am I always bloated? I look like I'm like, I would be more bloated as a normal person uh, than I am appearing right now as pregnant. <laughs> And like, it's like, how's it there? Um, but there's so much in that space right now of, and I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for it, but it's like, let's fix you. Let's get rid of the bloating. And I was taking all the supplements and doing all the diagnostic tests, which did help. But the problem or the, the bigger issue is that why those extra bad bacteria were there was because of this shit in my mind and in my heart and all of that stuff to work through. And, um, and so I think when I bring up to my clients, especially who are coaches, like, Hey, this is about like what you're not processing. It's a hard one. It's, yeah, it's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of the stillness work, but, um, it's really cool to hear that you're on the other side of that and you can be an expander for the audience to be like, Oh, okay, I can do this. Um, and one of the things I wanted to ask you about is acting. So 
one of my friends, uh, she's been in LA now for, I want to say two years, and she was just starting to feel momentum before um, the pandemic. But what she said she's found is that when we're doing this, uh, like, casting at home thing, like with your own phone, you actually feel like you have a little bit more, like there's pros and there's cons. And I want to hear from you, but she was just talking about feeling a little bit more in control of what she gets to share with somebody or submit. Um, and I think Sam said there were some live zooms too, which is also kind of weird. So what has your experience been like with doing this work? Yeah. So I honestly don't have a lot of experience of what it was like pre-pandemic because that's kind of when I just started. I mean, I had been in a, to a couple auditions and acting classes in person, but I I totally agree. I feel like I'm much more relaxed at home. You know, I, I almost, I said to someone recently, like, I'm almost kind of glad I started at this time because now I'm getting, building my confidence and in, in having the time and space to do that in my own home and figure out, because what's been hard for me is like, not only becoming an actor at 28, but finding my voice as a non-binary actor, because so many times I'm submitting to roles that are female, or I want to, I connect more with the male role that I read the the um, background on or the sides and I'll like make a note like, hey, I'm a non-binary person. Would it be cool if I'm read for this male role? Sometimes it works in my favor, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but so for me, that's been a challenge. So it's been easy for me to really find that like those details of who I am and how I want to come across and present myself because I might walk into a room and someone puts me in a category of like, oh, she's this, you know, or, you know, not, not realizing that I identify as non-binary. So that's been interesting for me. I definitely feel much more relaxed. I started an acting class on Zoom um, just last week, a new class. And like, for me, that's been challenging, like where I'm more relaxed, but it's been challenging because I'm so new in my skills and I have no like theater or technical training. So for me, I'm missing that energy where you're in a room with someone and you're feeding off of them. And I'm just doing my scene with someone through zoom. Like that's been a whole different experience. So there's, there's definitely it's pro, you know, the pros and cons and it has its challenges, but um, right now for me, I definitely think it's, it's more beneficial mm. for what, I, you know, how I'm facing it. That's awesome. And going back sort of to what we are talking about with the future and kids and the fact that it's just going to be they, them, who they are, not what their body looks like or this, what box do they check? Um, I, I sat down with this pro football player several years ago now who uh, has a um, publishing house. And he's like, you know, my goal as a writer and creator is to create kids with green skin and pink hair and blue skin and yellow hair, because I don't want to see this black or white juxtaposition of identity. And um, so to that point, do you feel like there's going to be a shift in the industry around um, the way that people get, like, is it the writing that has to change first? Do you think it's the casting directors that need to change or do you think it's going to be the actors like Elliot Page coming out and identifying that way that really shifts the way in which you guys get to be in a place of like this is who I am because this is this role is for me because I identify with this soul and not you know yeah well I think it's like it's all three of those counterparts molding together you know it's like once writers see like, oh, there are trans actors out there, like we need to represent them in these roles, you know, cause it's, 
so many times like cisgender people playing trans actors and they've gotten a lot of shit for that because it's like no until there are enough roles for everyone you know like like we need like there are trans actors out there let them play these trans roles you know it's also casting directors there are a lot of old school casting directors that you know really typecast and just see people as one way um but like with Elliot Page coming out it just shows these casting directors and writers that there are people who aren't just male and female out there or you know or uh male to female female to male that we need to be representing in writing and I'm just now starting to see it. I think there's definitely a big shift. I think it's a great time for me to be able to find my voice if, if this was me trying to act 10 years ago. And I think that's also why I didn't start doing it until now because I wasn't confident with my voice and who I was. And I didn't really, you know, like I would have just been typecast as like the blonde girl next door if I started at 20, you know, and like, that's not me. Like I wouldn't have been able to connect to those roles. I wouldn't have felt like confident. Um, so I think right now me trying to act as a non-binary person, it's a great time because we are starting to see that shift in representation in transgender roles. Gut health is a topic that is widely talked about and it's been talked about on this podcast before. If you know me and you've followed me for years, you know that I have a very challenging past with my beloved tummy. Getting that in check was a three-year process for me that I'd like to think is the reason I was able to get pregnant. There's a couple things that I was able to find after very, very serious prescriptive supplement protocols by a functional medicine practitioner who has been on this podcast. Shout out to Bridget. But after the intensive supplement protocol phased out, I was left with a few things that are now staples in my routine. Flash forward to three years, or I would say two years of buying those things piecemeal from random places like Whole Foods, Amazon, and other supplement companies. Uh, I actually found Isogenics, and Isogenics does have a certificate of quality, which makes it very valid amongst all the other brands that functional dietitians are recommending. And its protein powder, for instance, has been tested for metals. So it is a very safe and really um, renowned product. I created a gut health focused pack for you guys to purchase. This is located in the show notes. In this package, you can find CBD, which was the key to reducing my inflammation. You can find an immunity boosting powder to add to your oatmeal, like I do, a protein powder shake. You can also get this Isa Immune Zinc Spray for your mouth. It is an immunity supplement if you did not want to eat it in your oatmeal. You can also get digestive enzymes, which I personally take before I go out to dinner because those meals tend to be heavier or anytime I eat red meat. Collagen bone broth vegetable flavor. These are packets. I love the freaking bone broth. Obviously, you know me and Surfer because if we can make our own, we do, but I know that that's not accessible to every, everyone because you can't buy venison at the store. <laughs> I also put lavender oil on my pillow to help me fall asleep and distress at night, and I take a supplement called, um, or I have taken various versions of theanine and melatonin sleep remedies, and they have brain and sleep. A sleep support at Isogenics. So check out the Garrett's or G's gut health focus pack in the show notes. My also my favorite protein powder is in there. It will keep you super full. It has been tested for 
metals, and then organic greens. It's a canister you can add to your protein shake, to your oatmeal, to your water to make sure you are getting all your greens covered. And then finally, Isoflush, which is just their special name for magnesium citrate. This is really cool because I take this every night to allow for better motility through my intestines. Uh, I take magnesium. I have taken magnesium citrate for three years. This is a form of that that will help your intestines pull water into them so that you can flush things out in the morning. I have slow motility, so this is a really powerful supplement. Again, I've taken it for years. I usually try to pick it up at Whole Foods or buy it on Amazon, but with this package, I have curated for you guys. You can literally buy it all in bulk, and then you can even select auto ship if you'd want to get it monthly. So please check out the G's gut health pack in the show notes. And now back to the show. I think that's really cool to hear. I know even Sam and I talked about that in June. He was like, you know, is it a weird, it should it be weird if I want to paint my nails? Like, no, right. <laughs> like what, what is that about? And, um, just this, that because uh, and a lot of what he's come on here to talk about has been about this this notion of who you're supposed to be and how it's supposed to be for certain roles. I mean, mm-hmm. we all know the term type being typecast, but this like the amount of rejection that someone in your shoes goes through as auditioning and constantly hearing no is insane. But the, on some level, what he and I kind of got into is like, when do you make it about just the fact like you were saying that you just aren't embodying some characteristics that the girl next door has and it's yeah. not you marley being quote unquote bad as an actor i mean i'm sure there's some auditions that don't go well for everybody but i think it's interesting because here you are saying putting yourself out there where you're in an industry my fiance reminds me all the time because i wrote a book he's like and it, i didn't feel like it was successful he reminds me every time he's like do you know how hard it is to make it as an author same thing with acting. Yeah. So what has that been like for you? What do you think is harder? Um, and this might be a really deep question, but it's kind of coming out. Um, do you think it's harder to face the constant rejection and what you, what your industry will put you through uh, as not being thin enough, tall enough, long enough hair, short enough hair, all the things, uh, or feeling rejection as like not who you were prior to, like just outside of work? Yeah. Um, or do you think one prepared you for the other? I definitely think one prepared me for the other, like feeling rejection in life. Like, I mean, even still I get, you know, it's like people are like, are you a boy or are you a girl? You know, like those types of questions. And like, I feel like in real life that shit like shocks you more to your core when you, I mean, I've done a lot of work, so it's easier for me to go into a room. And if I get rejected, like, I'm like, you know, there's something better out there for me. Sam's actually taught me that like so much, you know, and just like, if something doesn't work out, you're manifesting like a greater, a greater experience or a greater role in this case, you know? Um, so yeah, I definitely, to answer that, like directly, I would say it's been harder being rejected in life, whether it's by family members or, um, you know, not, I wouldn't say friends cause all my friends have been super supportive. Um, but just people out in the world who don't know you and like not understanding and you might not have you might not have time to explain to the cashier in line at the grocery store that this is who I am and they say hello sir can I help you and then they hear my voice and they're like oh I'm so sorry and they they go into like a 10 minute apology and I'm like it's cool like let's just move forward I'm never gonna see you again you know like it's like that but um 
Yeah. So I think like within our industry, I, I definitely think that that kind of stuff has prepared me and it just gets better. You know, it's easier to like look up and look at the bright side. And I would say with this shift I'm feeling with trans roles, people in the media and industry are, or even with like me too, um, casting minorities with, you know, in, in BLM and like all we've seen so many shifts this year, you know, that's like really been affecting media and really wanted to be giving these people who haven't had their voice finally give them that platform to have their voice. So I found, you know, people have almost been more respectful because they want to get my pronouns right. You know, they want to make me feel safe and feel comfortable because they know that it has been hard in the real world where we have felt rejection and we shouldn't feel that when we're like in the workplace, you know? Totally. It's this sense, I feel like within you of being so rooted that it, because you finally are, you feel like this level, I don't want to say of arrival, but of just knowing who you really are. So it doesn't matter what someone says. And I, I use the analogy of like being a really rooted tree with some of my clients. So there's just like, it's like, you're not really going to like fall over when the wind blows. Um, but I'm curious, um, I have a couple, I have so many questions. Uh, but one of the things that kind of comes up in my work with people when we're looking at what they're moving through and where they're going it was a lot of like where they've been and like what roles they've played in their life that weren't them that were really like the mask that we wear yeah or to be accepted to be whatever so I'm wondering if there are any and I think I I asked this question because I feel like for anyone listening that is really inspired already by you it may help them even more relate to you when you reflect on your past, but were there any roles you feel like you played growing up prior to like really moving to LA um, that were just so like where you knew you, it was a role, it wasn't you. And then yeah. the question is like, and how did you know? Yeah, definitely. Well, I think that's been the hardest part. Like when I even told my mom I was having top surgery she was just so in denial and was like, you're not trans. Like I watch the home videos and I see this little girl and like, you know, just everything that like fit in their mind. And I'm like, I put on clothing wise, whatever you forced me to put on. And when I eventually, you know, moved into elementary, like, you know, when you start kind of being able to speak for yourself and dress yourself, I was constantly in like skateboarding sweatshirts and baggy jeans and etnies, you know, like kind of putting on more of this masculine, like, you know, presentation to the world. Um, and I, I told my therapist, like going back to like age six, I remember there's like this vivid moment where my dad was outside mowing the lawn with his shirt off. It was like middle of summer, super hot. My brother also had his shirt off. My brother and I were catch with the ball. And so I wanted to, I kept taking my shirt off. I was probably like, yeah, I think I was like six years old. And my dad was like, no, no, no. Like you need to put your shirt back on. And I was like, you guys have your shirt off. Like, why can't I take mine off? You know? Um, so I just, I felt this like innate need to do that. And I don't know if you saw the, the video I just posted last night of me walking around with like yes. balls in my, in my swimming suit. And I'm like watching that. My, my friend's dad just sent that it was like from a family vacation. Like we took with some family friends growing up and I'm like, I'm already mocking this body part because I don't connect to it. And I just see that as like, not a part of me. And it's like, it's so sad to know I was gonna, you know, I had no idea what was ahead of me, like going through puberty and then having to deal with my chest and then, you know, not being able to reverse that until 28. Um, but yeah, and like growing up, I, 
you know, wearing dresses or for prom or my sister's wedding most recently was like so miserable for me. That was in teen and I, my mom and sister just like wouldn't cause I was in the wedding and they didn't understand me and like why I just wanted to wear a suit. I was like, I'll wear it in the same color schemes. Like it's gonna look bomb. I've just, you know, like the last couple of years I've just worn a suit because that's what I feel comfortable into every wedding that I've gone to. Um, but yeah, they just like couldn't understand what that was about. But I've also found finding my voice as a transmasculine non-binary person um, that I've become more comfortable with my feminine side because now that I no longer have my chest, I'm not like overcompensating for that. Where like, I'm like, yeah, I would totally like rock like a a deep V-neck like sequin jumpsuit to like a red carpet event or something because I feel confident in my masculinity now that I would totally rock something maybe a bit more feminine. Um, where I, before I was just like, no, I don't want to present feminine because this is like too feminine with my chest. Does that make sense? Oh my gosh. It makes so much sense. And a couple of things. One, it sounds like you really defied a lot of the roles people wanted you to play, which I think is, is cool, but it's, it's, it still shows that despite you having the courage to show up as you really authentically wanted to for so many years, it was still quite a journey to get to where you are now. And I think yeah. that's important for people to hear because um, it's not this overnight decision. It's, it's very meaningful. And the the whole part of feeling more comfortable now expressing your femininity is so cool and beautiful to me because so much of this year we've spent talking about the balance between masculine and feminine. Nobody is one, nobody is one thing. Like last right. night I, I was telling my fiance, it was like, you know, if, we lived 30 years ago, I would be called a tomboy. Yeah. I, I, I've done powerlifting converse competitions, you know, like I'm in the gym with the dudes lifting barbells and snowboarding. And, but I also like love that I have long blonde hair hanging out of my helmet. So yeah. like, like we're always this balance, but the reason why we feel that like what you were describing so well, this discomfort in one or the other is when we don't really feel aligned with the expression that we're in. And I think that's so beautiful for people to hear because um, th- we're not taught this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. And I love what you said about your hair too, because like when I told my mom I was having top surgery, she was like, Oh God, like don't cut your hair. And like, just automatically thinking because that's assumed like a masculine thing to do. And I'm like, I love my locks. Like length is strength. Like my hair defines <laughs> me just as much as my chest does, you know? Absolutely. I, um, I actually have to pay for this. I have hair extensions and I've, um, I remember when I got them like five years ago, now they're just like a part of me, but, um, somebody, I forget who, what it was one of my brothers or something was like, you better not let people see the back. Like you, it it looks too fake when you style it that way. I'm like, who cares? Yeah. Like I'm going to tell the world that I have hair extensions because I freaking love them. Yeah, and that's exactly. what the way I want to show up in the world. And yeah. it's, um, and you know, obviously I have a, a privilege in that supposedly long blonde hair is supposedly for gender or feminine identifying people or female yeah. identifying. And yet it's like, I'm just who I am. And so I think that's why I was so excited to have you on here to, to tell these stories and from your, and share from your experience, because there's so many nuances here and you don't get to fifth grade and talk about it. Like yeah. my fifth grade experience was like, don't have sex. 
Like, yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah. really gonna, you know, there's shame around that. Um, but one of the, the words that you used a couple times on Instagram that I just hadn't heard in a while. And then I was like, interesting that I haven't heard it because I've heard other terms in place. You use the word androgyny. And I would yeah. love for you to speak to that because it's one that I hear non-binary a lot, but I liked the, the, your use of it. So I'd love for you to share like what that word has meant to you. Yeah. So I remember like I heard that word, I mean, back in high school, like where I really didn't know what it meant, but my aunt started using it to describe me because that's how I presented to the world was very androgynous. And that's kind of the one word or title or label that I've been using to describe myself up until trans masculine non-binary. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can be an androgynous female and androgynous male androgynous non-binary person. And to me, it was just the easiest way to talk about, you know, when I still identified as female, you know, me wanting to wear masculine clothes rather than saying like tomboy, for example. Um, I just thought it was like a, a better way that, or a word that I connected to more than tomboy. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's why I started using it. And I still resonate with that, even with all these other terms that have kind of popped up that I'm like, oh, I also identify with that and this. And that's like the beauty of being queer because you don't have to just identify with like one term, you know, you can be all of these things. What It's whatever resonates with you. Yeah, I think the big thing underlying or underscoring all of that is permission. Permission to just freaking choose what yeah. you feel like and not what you should be or what someone's telling you you appear to be. Um, I think that's really powerful. Um, what would you say to your younger self? We do this, like, you know, we talk about reparenting a lot in my coaching work. We actually haven't talked about it a ton on the podcast, but I think there's something to be said about, and I know we've discovered it in the, the artist way as well, like your inner child. Yeah. What, what do you think, like, how do you think you would reparent your inner child? Well, it's like a couple of things that stand out to you. Um, like just maybe one thing that I would tell them or how, to, how would I actually like reparent? Like, uh, yeah. What would you tell them in order to like give the parenting that you didn't have? Yeah, I would, I mean, I would tell them like, well, I personally would give them the tool, like start developing the tools to navigate the world and navigate the challenges and, you know, find the resources to help them. Um, you know, a lot of things that I didn't have or growing up in a small town, like, I mean, even if I grew up in LA, you know, this would have, I was born in 92. So like late nineties, early two thousands, everything in just America, our society in general has been so, you know, male, female, like gender has been so specific, like that you're taught at a young age, like the masculine toys, the feminine toys, you know? Um, so I just, I would tell them you're going to have the tools to navigate all of this sort of undoing. And I would have liked to implement those tools at that age, you know, because sometimes I'm like, I get frustrated. Like we all do when we, I feel like we start doing this work as adults to really figure out ourselves and figure out how to navigate whatever it is we're dealing with. And I always think like, damn, if I would have started therapy in like high school, maybe I would, you know, this would be so much easier now. I wouldn't be going through these feelings of grief or these, uh, you know, big stressors or just would have more of a fluid motion in navigating them at 28 than I do. And I know like our journey is never over until like it's over and we're going to constantly be figuring out how to better ourselves and better our lives and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, navigate what it is what it is we're going through. I love that you just said that it's constant because 
I feel like a lot of times what gets lost in doing this work on ourselves is that we're going to arrive one day and we're just going to like wake up and be like, ah, like everything's like good or something. And it's so not uh, true. So I appreciate you sharing that side of it. And um, I would love to know what your um, biggest um, takeaway in, from the artist way has been so far. Um, obviously that's yeah. what we met and I would love to just know what, cause it's funny as soon as one of friend had mentioned it to me for me before I didn't do it. Sam brought it into my life. He actually sent it to me. He was like, you need this. Yeah. And, and um, since our group launched, which I, my pregnant self has trouble staying up late enough, but I'll be there tonight. Um, oh, yes. We, uh, <laughs> we have gone through all these different um, weeks and we've been focusing on all that, but it's been showing up everywhere for me on Instagram. It's like, I'm seeing it everywhere. Uh, yeah. And I'm just wondering what's been the, the biggest learning for you so far yeah well I, I just want to touch on that my experience was the same where a friend bought me the book like a year and a half ago and it sat on my shelf and I never touched it and then when Sam said he was starting this group I was like oh good I feel like I need to be in that sort of structure to like motivate me for a week with other people and be able to come to this hour session every week and share our experiences um but for me I think it's been the taking risks part and it kind of goes back to like the original quote where like, we're afraid to, you know, cause I've just been taking risks in so many facets of my life, whether it's professionally or personally. And, you know, like the act of, re of rebellion that I talked about at the beginning, like how we're just so afraid to do that and put ourselves out there and be ourselves. But once you do, you unlock this freedom where you can like, like I told Sam actually the other day, I had such a, po I felt such a positive shift last week. And I feel like it's because I started living my truth and and seeing myself for who I actually am or I've seen that but I've started presenting that to people finally and then now they're seeing me as such so I really feel like it's you know putting yourself out there and taking those risks like even I think I told you in group that night I got a call from my boss on the L word and he was back for season two to set dress and I I turned it down and I'm like that would have been a year you know of work like not having to think about or find my next job, but it would have taken away from the whole acting path that I'm trying to pursue. And, you know, this passion and, and this new path that I'm on that I just feel like so um, connected to, like, this is what I'm meant to do right now. So, and I, and I, I turned the job down with like so much ease and like just feeling of like doing the right thing. And right before he called me, I was reading that chapter about like taking risks and it was just so like, you know, the synchronicity shows up. Like you said, you start seeing like all of these things around you. Um, so yeah, I would say like, that's the biggest take takeaway for me is like risks and putting yourself out there because once you start listening to yourself, it, it will come back to you. It like, you'll see the signs that you're on the right path essentially. Yes. I, I love that you're sharing that. It's funny. One of my friends who was supposed to be in the group, but has had this other class like coincide. She always yeah. says that synchronicities are like getting gold coins from the universe, like in a, like a Mario game. Like when you yeah. like, don't think it's a coin, she's like, anytime you make a decision, that's a line the universe, like gives you gold coins and like something awesome shows up. And I love that. that's super cool that you were able to like, and I think that's what been, what's so cool about being in a group around the book is to hear other people like be like, and witness the magic that comes from the sacred space and all of that. Um, do you think that it has, do you think that it was supportive or just sort of 
the word? Um, I don't know, magically like, or synchronistically timed that it happened in the background of, or right, like with your surgery? I, I mean, I, I didn't even think about it like that. I, I've only thought about it as like, oh, what better time to do it? Cause I'm taking time off of work to recover. Um, but I, now that I think, I mean, maybe I have subconsciously, um, yeah, that this has been like the perfect moment as I'm healing and, and meeting all of you and like going on this journey together and being able to share that with people. And, um, yeah, like even the, the physical part of it, like I, we wouldn't be doing this podcast had it not been for the group. I'm doing a photo shoot with Rose on Wednesday. Had I not met her in the group, like we wouldn't, you know, so it's like, yeah. And it's like all these things that are then lining me up to like for that may benefit in my career some way, you know? So it's like, yeah. And like, I definitely think I needed that spiritual healing that I've been receiving from the book and receiving from all of you congruently with, yeah, my surgery. I totally agree with that. A hundred percent. That's super cool. It's, um, it's, I'm wondering like, what, like, what would you tell somebody that is about to go through this surgery or who is highly contemplating it? Yeah. Um, it's always hard for me to answer because people reach out on Instagram, like total strangers. Yeah. Um, I would just say like, really it's hard because I don't know if everyone has the same experience that I've had where I've been able to sit in quarantine and like truly think about like what I need to do for me. But I would say just really meditate on that time if you can find it. And, you know, like I spent so much time just trying to get my mind, body and soul right. Just, you know, prior to the surgery so that I could heal well, recover well, Mm -hmm. um, just really think about my needs and try to block out any noise, whether it was coming in from someone saying, don't do this, you don't know what you're doing. Or like, you know, it's like, not that that was surrounded by my inner circle, I would say it is so important to have that sort of support system around you. Um, don't stress about the financial part of it. Just focus on like the good parts of it and what it's going to bring you along your journey. And once you find that, I mean, I know it's easier said than done. Don't stress about the financial, but once you block out all of that noise, all of that stuff will kind of fall into place, you know? Mm, that's so helpful to hear. I think, um, one of my favorite questions, and there's a different couple different ways to ask it around people thinking more creatively is like, if you had $50 million, like, what would you do? Because the financial burden sometimes completely blocks our creativity or ability to think clearly. So that's a big one. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, because then you make the decision from like an aligned place of like, is it, how is this going to impact my life? Um, and my being, uh, but yeah, I'm also- that's so much more important than the financial aspect of it. Like what it's going to do for you internally. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, I, I agree. I think, um, I'm definitely more of a risk taker financially anyway. So maybe it's easier for me to say that than for others. Um, yeah. hearing this, but I definitely think there's something to be said about making the decision without money as a factor, or even just asking yourself, like, would you do this if, you money wasn't and if the question is if the answer is like hell yes then yeah because my experience I was extremely lucky where I was saving for the surgery because I I have benefits through my work through art department and my union um but I'm like no way they're going to cover my surgery uh because I just read like all of the procedures you have to go through before and usually for non-binary people whatever your insurance plan is they don't cover it because they just don't deem it medically necessary like they make it harder 
to justify as medically necessary if you're not on T testosterone or estrogen. And I hate to say it, but this is how they say it, like doing the full transition. And it's just like, it doesn't make sense to me. So I had been saving, saving, saving. And then I did my consultation with my surgeon and, and he was like, uh, yeah, I'll just submit your paperwork and, and it should be covered. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, it, it'll be covered. And I was like, and I had been like, it's like estimated 10 grand. And I like, it was just such like a sign of like, you're on the right path again, because it was like that plus finding my, my therapist that I started working with the letter process went so smoothly, like all these things that I thought were going to be huge obstacles ended being ended up being like, just so smooth. It was just wild. Yes. I have like goosebumps thinking about that. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's um. so speaking to the team of people you're working with, how did you go about finding that level of support? Meanwhile, you're like embarking on a new acting career and going through this transformation of who you are want to show up as. Like, what was that like? Did it sort of fall into place as well? And, and what's been the most beneficial part or mo I guess maybe they're all working in tandem, but what are some of the learnings you've had around healing and the different modalities? Um, I think for me, it's been having a good support system because my support system kind of me to all of my healing helpers, I guess I'll call them. Wow. Um, like my, my new therapist I found through a friend who, who's very close to me. Um, I also, so I ended up going through UCLA for my surgery and my same friend who I found my therapist through led me to them. Cause she had a major surgery and UCLA like really helped her. And I was just like, you know, Googling plastic surgeons when I was on the search and I was just getting so overwhelmed and would just like put it off. And I'm like, Oh, like, this is like the hardest part. And she's like, you should look at UCLA. And then I'm like, yeah, like my main provider is through them. My insurance goes through them. Like, why not? Um, well, this was before I found out my insurance was going to cover the surgery, but like my primary caregiver. So I like emailed her and was like, hey, do you have any recs in the plastics team like to do the surgery? And then I ended up meeting Dr. Rudkin, who he wasn't. He was the first doctor that I met with. And I was just trying to keep an open mind. I'm like, OK, I have a few other consultations. And then I went back to him. Like there wasn't anything I disliked about him. I was just trying to get second opinions. And yeah, it was like, he just did like more better than I could have imagined. Sorry, I don't know if I'm explaining this properly, but like what oh. I imagined my chest to look like, he just did like beyond a hundred. Like I just, like, I didn't even know. I'm like, I don't really want a lot of contouring. I don't want too much of a masculine chest, but he just really like did it to fit my body type and my personality. And I feel like he just really got to know me and like, understood how I present myself to the world and what would look good on me, you know? Um, so I feel like it's just like the perfect amount of, uh, masculinization, but also to the, the flatness that I want it, you know, being non-binary, sometimes people choose to just leave no breast tissue at all and no contouring just depends on how they identify. Um, and then my massage therapist, I met through my girlfriend. She used to, um, my massage therapist used to come to her work to do massages like in their office. Uh, my acupuncturist, I also found through a friend that I worked with. Wow. Like it's just all these people that like, you know, and then my, my yoga teacher that I've been doing, working on back and posture and shoulders and, you know, just loosening up the, the tight tissue and stuff from immobility for a few weeks. Um, I met through my main studio that I do yoga with and just reached out to her and was like, hey, would you want to do some one-on-one -on -one sessions? So yeah, it's just like, I've been really lucky to have like friends of friends or people, like all these people have come into my life through 
you know, um, like, what is it? Separations of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> like, that's what it kind of feels like. So, um, yeah, I've just been really lucky. And I know a lot of people don't have that. So I actually, one of my goals is to create like a nonprofit or fundraiser to help people get top surgery that don't have insurance and stuff to cover. Cause whenever I see someone put up a GoFundMe, I'm like always trying to donate what I can. Um, and yeah, just to like, I know a lot of people don't have that time on the back end, like we've had, or I've had quarantine to really utilize those things to help myself get better. So, mm. yeah. That's really cool that you want to start a charity to help people with, yeah. the, with this, the, the financial hurdle. And I also think, and I hope really that we're moving into a time and space where we do look at healing any major surgery so holistically because yeah. it really is major. Like I, I can't imagine, especially as someone who I, I do get massages, I go to acupuncture, I have a therapist, like those things that are just part of like, what keeps me, me, what I would need more yeah. than ever after a major surgery. And the fact that um, not everyone has access to those things and, or doesn't really know how they might help them. It's really cool for you to share that, that how important those have been for you, because it's, um, it's just important level of self-care if you can access those things or some combination. Um, yeah. And I think living in LA, luckily I've had access and resources to a lot of those things that I've already built into my daily life because like my art department job is so physical. So I've like already, I was already doing those things. But another thing I would say is like, don't be afraid to, cause even though I live in LA, like you think it's this liberal city and I would be afraid to tell, like, I remember I was afraid to tell my acupuncturist that like, oh, Hey, I'm getting top surgery because of what he might think or his judgment or, you know, my chiropractor. And, um, just cause you think that, you know, people, or you listen to things they say, and you're like, oh, they're going to assume this about this situation. But it's like, once I put myself out there, they're like, oh yeah, like, let me help you. I'll get you some teas. I'll do this. And it's like, don't be afraid to like, cause you know, like, and if they aren't down with it, then on to the next, you know, bye, find someone else. But like, it was just, I'm like, I'm 28 years old. Why was I afraid to tell them this is what I'm doing? Like, they're not my parents. What I mean, like, and once I did that, it was just another sense of freedom, like letting the good in and like, they're, you know, wanting to help me even more. And so, yeah, that was just really cool. That's a really good reminder for everybody. Um, and I, I'm wondering too, so a couple more questions. Um, the way you've been like showing up post-surgery has been really just authentic and like, here I am and very much as I perceive it from a level of excitement and just like eagerness. And so I'm wondering, um, it's like kind of like a two-part question, um, but what has that been like for you? And then who inspires you um, to continue to show up? Yeah. Um, well, that that isn't really amazing because it's in people like you and you've only known me a short time or people commenting who like I'm Instagram friends with, but don't really know me on a personal level. And they're like, or friends that comment or people, uh, friends with my girlfriend that comment on her page with that she posts photos of me and was like, wow, Marley's glowing. Like, you know, it's just really nice to hear it from people, especially almost strangers that have noticed the shift in me and this change and that I'm showing up like this, just as you have. Um, I would say like, sorry, does that answer your, the first part of your question? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say like people that inspire me is, 
I mean, people like, I'll say an obvious one, like Elliot Page, like coming out, like for them at, I would say they're what, about 35 and, and having like such a career in the spotlight where like, I've been able to kind of do it at my own pace. And I can't imagine like the extra layer, you know, being an actor for so long, especially being in a movie like Juno, where like, imagine that dysphoria and then having to play a pregnant teen, like what that must've been like for them. Um, you know, it's people like that that are inspiring. And luckily those people in the limelight that are reaching more people than I'm reaching on my social media platform that, you know, it's like, it's okay. You can be who you want to be like telling these kids who, you know, are struggling with dysphoria. Um, so yeah, like people like Elliot Page are really inspiring. I would say Sam has been like, I know we keep talking about him, but like, I've just met him a year ago and he's always been one of those people that I can go to, like whenever I'm dealing with something and just talk it through. And he was one of the first people I told, um, that I was going to do this. And it was just like, his response was just so comforting and I'm like getting emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, just like so comforting. And he's always like, I'm proud of you, pal. Like he'll, he'll text me that like once a week. If I just, you know, tell him something that I'm like excited about or celebrating. And it's just like, so reassuring to have people like that in your life. Um, or my friend Holly, who I just like call up even after months of, you know, maybe months will go by that we don't talk and she'll just like understand and be there. It's like, just, it's so important to like have people like that in your life that understand who you are because they see who you are and they see like that shift in you or like my friend Caitlin even said like I'm just excited to to meet Marley even though she's known me for three years because she's like there's always yes you're this golden retriever and you present this happy fun loving like personality but there's always part of you that's in pain you know like there's always this part that you're hiding that you just look like you're in pain and I'm just excited for that to be relieved you know so yeah beautiful we've got some amazing people in your life uh, yeah, I really do I'm truly lucky it's Sam is one of those people too that it, for me at least um when I published my book he wrote to me I think on Facebook because we went to high school together and we really hadn't talked much and he wrote to me and just said hey this is a really cool thing that you did if I can help in any way uh let me know and so that was uh, April 2018 and I wrote to him and he was like, I'm actually the show I'm going to be on American woman. It's, it's like airing this fall. Cause I said, cause I was like, how can I help you? And, um, so I started like posting about the show and then I launched this podcast and I had him come on. And what's really crazy uh, speaking of synchronicities is that he then just happened to be, have taken a class with, I'm totally forgetting the famous actor's name, but he took a, an acting class with a girl I went to ski school with as a child. So then it was like that total synchronicity of like, he needs to be in my space, but sorry, long-winded story to share that he is able to see people as they're in their humanness on this level of just like um, empathy and compassion. And um, I think that that's not underrated, but it's a really important thing to bring awareness to because when we embark on any new uh, version of ourselves, a journey of a version of ourselves, it's like, you got to have people that also can reflect that back to you and not question yeah. it. Um, so. Yeah. And I remember like at the beginning, he sent me this really inspiring quote. I'll have to send it to you. Actually, I was going to use it if we, didn't, if we didn't use that other one, but um, where he just talked about like, there's so many steps you're going to take in your life. And like the first one is just taking that leap. And it was like a quote from some actress. 
Um, actually, do you mind if I pull it up real quick? Oh, please. Where's my phone? Because it's really long-winded and I feel like I'm not going to do it justice if I... <laughs> Perfect. But yeah, we had a similar experience of like synchronicity where I met him through my friend Jillian, who was in the L word and her, her and I became friends because I was working on that. And we were like doing the premiere at her house one night and he came over and him and I just started talking and like hit it off. And then we found out that we had a mutual friend from Pittsburgh where I used to intern in college at this um, company called Animal. And he knew my friend Steve because they had met at a documentary film festival together. And I was like, he's just so powerful. Like he's, you know, synchronized his way through your life and also mine. Um, yeah, it's been really wild. Sorry, I'm just going to this photo. I'm excited. <clears throat> Sorry, you're going to edit this, right? <laughs> I know it's like right around here. This is crazy. I'm going to be really bummed if I can't find it. Well, if for some reason you can't and then you do, I can always read it in the intro. Yeah, that would be great. Oh, found it. Perfect. All right. So he sent me this as a as a um, voice memo. I forget what him. Probably this was like at the early stages of me like, hey, I'm moving forward with this. Um, he said, do things that make you afraid so that you can learn to master your courage. Pain is a beautiful teacher. In each phase of your life, you encounter a cliff. Finding and identifying that cliff is the first step. The next step is jumping off. You have to jump off that cliff to live in your full potential. When you jump off that cliff, one of two things will happen. One, you'll find a soft place to land. Two, you'll learn to fly. To live your best life, you got to start swinging for the fences, and you're not going to be able to live that life without a couple casualties. And don't feel guilty about the people who aren't there because other people will emerge. But you have to take responsibility for living your best life. Keep going. You're on the right path and taking all of the necessary steps. This is who you're supposed to be. So he paraphrased that from an interview with Lena Waithe and Nisi uh, Nash. Mm. And he sent that to me and it was just like so powerful because it was like just so parallel with what I was going through at the time. And it just really meant a lot to me. And like that just goes to show how like powerful and moving like and supportive he is, you know? He really is. I had goosebumps, especially with what I'm going through. The, um, the part about um, don't worry about who's not there because people will emerge. Yes, 100%. Whoa. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that. I and yeah. Thank you, Sam, who hopefully is listening. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> So um, second to last question, um, so we've talked about like showing up, we've talked about some trans actors that are showing up. What has it been like um, to live in LA and be in this creative culture? Do you think it causes more synchronistic um, connections like via you know instances like Sam or do you think it's more challenging or is it a little mix of both? There's so much, um, I think a lot of people have that whole, um, dream to go to Hollywood and become an actor or whatever. And we talk about, um, there's, it's come up a lot on this podcast. So I'd love to know what it's been like for you. I'm sure it's been ups and downs, but where you're at with that creative culture now in your life in LA. Yeah. Well, I mean, ever since 
probably from an early age, I've always been like collaborate collaboration is key. And like two heads are better than one. Like that's just always been in my like repertoire, I guess. Um, I, so being in LA, like you definitely have access to those people and friends and you're constantly able to help each other, you know, whether it's, I edit a video for you or I act in your, your thing that you're directing. Um, so I would say, yeah. And I mean, people, you hear people leaving big cities since the pandemic because they realize they can do their craft and pay cheaper rent somewhere else. I totally like don't disagree with that, but I think there is something that's said about living in a big city and being surrounded by these people who are, you know, in the same creative field as you and want to help you, or even if they're not in the same creative field as you, like, just like you and I are crossing paths, you know, um, there's just, yeah, I would say there's so much synchronicity that happens because of that. Um, at the same time, it can be a toxic uh, industry. It can be, you know, challenging. Um, but I think there's a lot luckily due to people who have, um, you know, trailblazers who have set the stage to make change like Elliot Page for the trans community, um, for example, or the Me Too movement or black actors who have, you know, just done like really crazy, amazing work and are like setting the stage and voices for uh, black people in the, in the entertainment industry. Um, so I think there's a lot of positive change happening in, you know, a lot of aspects of, of LA, wh whether it's entertainment industry or any industry. Um, yeah, I feel, does that answer your question? I feel like I'm kind of talking yeah. in circles. <laughs> I think it's really, I think you hit the nail on the head with the collaborative part of it. To be honest, I think, you know, Sam and I have talked a little bit about the, the challenges of rejection, right? And that there's some, it's a big, uh, you're kind of like a, what is the term? Like a, a small fish in a big sea there. You're not like a big fish uh -huh. in a pond, but at the same yeah. time, part of like my, if I were to like share my jealousy or limiting beliefs, it would be like, you know, there's a very, like starting a podcast in LA is a different vibe than starting a podcast in Boston two years ago. And yeah. the amount of people who are doing that. And, and I mean, obviously podcasts have been around for a long time, but I feel like it's skyrocketed in the last couple of years. And I always just thought, wow, I wish I was just right down the street from somebody and I could request an interview and show up with my gear and, and do all of that. So the part about um, me wishing for that level of collaboration and knowing from your experience that it does exist, I think is really neat to hear that it, it does really happen. That yeah. Way. But there's also like people on the other side of that who are also envious of you who like, don't have to live in LA and deal with the traffic and deal with the bullshit <laughs> and can still have this following in this amazing platform and, you know, pursuing their dreams, but can also do it from, you know, a, a smaller space or a, you know, a different community that is not the hecticness of a bigger city. Yeah, thank you. I mean, but Boston's also a big city, yeah. but we're dealing now. So I escaped Boston. I'm about an hour north. But okay. I identify with Boston just because it's the closest big city. Yeah. But I did sort of escape. I mean, TBD on if we live back there part-time um, when, if people are working there more commonly in yeah. 2021, we'll see. Remains to be seen. But I do think it's interesting to hit on just because a lot of people do have big dreams of going to LA. And it sounds like you've been able to really navigate one, like building a portfolio lifestyle and, and like exercising your hustle and muscle throughout everything that LA can offer, but then 
finding your way. And, and also I think it's really, um, courageous of you. I know we've already kind of talked about it, but to dive into acting, um, at the age you are with, it's like, it's not like the main impetus of like why you got to LA, but I think that that's really neat. And then the print modeling. So you've got a lot, you know, going for you right now. And and then I guess my final question would just be like, so what are you most excited about? Like what's on your manifestation list? Um, my manifestation list, um, go on tour with Beyonce as her drummer. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> um, or Miguel, preferably Miguel, but I love Beyonce. Um, no, I mean the goal right now with acting, like I want to start off in print and commercial and get comfortable in front of the camera and see what I can do there. But eventually the goal would be like a TV role. Um, that's what I'm manifesting. I want to, I want to make enough money, you know, doing something that I love to also support another aspect of what I love, which is making documentaries. And, and now there's so much with like Netflix and so many platforms where there's great documentaries and documentary series coming out, but I would like to independently, like just tell stories through my lens someday, um, and get back to that. Cause that's really what I love doing in college. Um, yeah. So whatever I can do to support, uh, that dream and also just make a better life for, Vicky and our two dogs, <laughs> you know, get out of this one bedroom apartment. <laughs> Not that like money is everything. Like, obviously we're so happy with what we have. Like last night I told her, I'm like, babe, I love our life. I love our boys. I love our apartment, even though we have problems with it sometimes, like, you know, just being grateful for what, what we do have going. I mean, just down the street pandemic, like Echo Park is just filled with tents. And I think I drive by all the time and just think about how we could be living in one of those tents, you know, and it's just like, it's just skyrocketed since the pandemic. It was like four tenths and now the entire park is covered. And it's just like, you know, thinking about those things and, and yeah, just like, I'm just excited to really live life. I know it sounds so cliche, but like live life to the fullest, but now that I'm feeling embodied in myself and like being able to figure out my fullest potential, because like we all deserve to, to feel a hundred percent in our bodies, whatever that means for us. And I feel like I'm finally there. And so just being able to use that base and really see what I can do with my potential is just really exciting for me. So that's what I'm manifesting. I'm excited for you. Yeah. It's a great way to end the year for you. And I think too, for the listeners to hear your story of how really uh, intentionally you've been about your stillness work this year and how it culminated in this major surgery to land in a place, like you said, of being embodied and feeling more able to live to your potential. So I cannot be more grateful for you coming on here and sharing your story and just being open and authentic. Cause I feel like this is a very meaningful conversation. Um, I know just for me and for a lot of of people listening, it's full of courage and hope and dream chasing and all of those things. So I appreciate it. And I would love, I always put stuff in the show notes for people, but I would love for you to shout out like where people can find you so that they can hear it now. And then if they don't get it right. They can check the show notes to follow you, find you, connect with you. Yeah. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bob Marley 11, seven. And yeah, that's it. Thanks for having me. This was so much fun and I have been looking forward to it. And it's so funny when you reached out and asked me, cause I saw, like, I started stalking you too, after we met in the group and I was like, Oh, Garrett does a podcast. That's cool. And I was like, it'd be fun to like do a podcast and like talk about my experience. And then that was another like synchronicity moment. You actually reached out to me and asked because I even like doubted myself. I was like, well, 
I don't know if like her listeners, I didn't really know who your listeners were, but I was like, they're not going to be interested in like what some non-binary person's story is or what they have to say. But again, that's just me as a trans person, like putting my, making myself small and putting myself in a box, you know, like, cause I knew you did the life coaching and I'm like, well, maybe that could resonate with people, you know, on my own journey. And then you did reach out to me and it was like, it was really awesome. Well, I'm so glad because to me, I just like, again, to the point of how you show up and your embodiment and the transformation that you've been through, it's like not lost on me, the amount of work that has to get you to that point. And that's sort of what we've been talking about. And we had the co-founders of Makey on recently, and they make a product for your vulva, but at the same time, they're like, we're working our way into a whole slew of non-binary products that are just products for self-care because that's like a con- so we've been in the in the conversation of yeah. really neutrality um and just being our most authentic self so you're the perfect person to have on and I'm glad you were down for it yeah yeah no I love that I guess I just like I didn't do enough research and I was like oh I think our podcast is tailored more towards fitness and like yeah. you know and like that was just yeah. me you most know. people do it that's good I'm glad you, you're saying that because um and, you know, it did start off with like, if I wasn't having a guest, I was talking about nutrition ideas or gut health or whatever, but yeah, yeah. but and, yeah, no, it all ties in. That's, I love that we touched on gut health too. And, and um, yeah, exercise has also, this is just a ramble, but has also helped me like just doing the strength training to build up my chest muscles prior to surgery. Wow. And that's why I love like watching your, your work videos. Cause it just inspires me. Like once I'm finally able to get back to the strength training that I was doing, because it just really helped my gut issues, mind, body, and soul, obviously, and helped me prepare for surgery. So, wow. Well, thank yeah. you. Thank you for that. It's getting harder for me to lift, but I'm, I'm just yeah. building like a strong little munchkin in there. So, yeah. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, of course. Well- I am interrupting this incredible guest to share with you an opportunity that I would love to invite you to consider. And um, you may not be in this place, but as you know, part of what makes any of our guest interviews so fun is understanding about their entrepreneurial journey and really looking at what are the common threads of these high performers, what keeps an entrepreneur going, how do we fail forward? How do we put the pieces together to have a successful business? And in case you didn't know, I am an executive coach and my work in this sphere has been probably the most rewarding thing I've ever done and really the most interesting because I've worked with so many different types of executives across numerous industries. I can provide much insight into your new endeavor or your current endeavor so that you can have neutral third-party perspective to help you overcome your overwhelm as an executive, how to potentially re-engage your team to innovate, how to accelerate your performance and the performance of your team or within your company. And I am stoked about it. All you have to do is email me. My email is in the show notes and I will book you for a clarity consultation where I basically give you the experience of coaching before you make a decision so you can understand what it's like to work with an executive coach, uh, especially if you haven't before. I also allow any 
potential client to interview a former client or a current client to get another perspective on me and my style. So if you are interested, just shoot me an email. I look forward to hearing you and really diving deep into a clarity session. All right, now back to the show.